Welcome, guys, to the World XP Podcast. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to speak to me. And I met Rodney, it was last week or the week before, I think, yes, um, at, a, at a soccer game. Found him through, uh, through Nico. Shout out to Nico. Um, and I'll do a quick little intro, and then I'll, I'll let you guys kind of run with it. But basically, they're running a, we'll say, a foundation or a nonprofit to send soccer stuff, but like goods, clothes, money, etc., to uh, an orphanage in Cameroon. And given all the stuff that's going on in the world, I figured it was it would be a breath of fresh air to have to have these three people on to kind of explain where they found it and what what the goal is and what they're trying to do. So, with that, tell us. What what you're doing? Why you're here? How you found it? Give us give us the lowdown. Uh yeah, I'll start off and then I'll pass it to you guys. But yeah, I'm Rodney. Like I said, I met I met Eric last week, and the foundation, the Indomitable Hope. It's basically started off as a project in school for my web design class. So creating the website and the the foundation for the the campaign was what I did. Um, so. In order to do so, I needed to reach out. I needed an idea, first of all. And that's when I reached out to my aunt, Auntie Mary, and my cousin, Sean. And the idea they told me about was the, the orphanage in Cameroon. And so for the action campaign, that's what it's called. It's basically a call to action for people online. So that's where we're using the social media to get people to do an action. And so for my love of soccer, I wanted to do something with soccer and then also trying to give back as well. So I thought of the idea of just collecting soccer gear, trying to give to people that are less fortunate. And I was able to be connected or informed about, about the orphanage through Auntie Mary. And that like touched my heart because we're, we're all Cameroonian. We're from Cameroon. So I definitely wanted to do what I could to help them. And then that's where we are right now. So they can tell you more about it from there. So how how did you guys come across this orphanage so the orphanage is based in my family's hometown in Cameroon, and I've known it since I was, I want to say, in fifth grade. I first visited it. Uh, I saw the kids. I saw their classrooms, living conditions, and I just thought, you know, one day I want to come back and you know do something to help these kids because they don't have much, but they're a very cheery bunch of kids who uh, I wish they could have more. Mom, how did you first find out about the orphanage? Well, uh, we visited Cameroon in 2008, and uh, my cousin, or older cousin, is a social worker and happened to invite my son, Sean, um, telling me about the orphanage home. He brought pictures from this home, and when I saw the pictures, my heart was really touched. I saw new um, eight-month-old baby crawling on the ground. He was the one really describing it. When I also saw it, I felt touched, and we were determined to assist these children to, to have a life. So we started supporting, and it looks like there was a need more uh, for these children, for more children to come in. In 2017, arose a civil war in Cameroon that compounded the whole situation. Uh, it wasn't the living condition of these children. There was a greater need for medical, for education. Education, of course, was the least feeding. 
Um, recently, I saw some more images coming from this home that I, I really was touched. When my nephew, Rodney, contacted me and said, hey, Auntie Mary, I'm doing a project. And this came up. I immediately um, started supporting him with the project. The situation now um, really is getting worse because of the civil war. Yeah, and just to add on, when she's talking about the photos, she just means in, in terms of the lack of food because of the war. It's, it's harder to go out and get food, and so it just takes more effort or more money to, to get that. And there's, because they're on the lower end, it's harder for them to get it compared to everyone else. Sure. So what really struck me, uh, Rodney, when we were speaking was you're doing this for a class project and most college students that I know after the, cl- after the project was over and they got the grade, that would have been it. But you chose to continue on. Why, why did you choose to do that? Um, I, I just felt like it, I could relate to the kids. You know what I mean? And something that like I said, I love, I love soccer. And so just putting anything into to football, like we call it, it was, it was like a big part of why I kept doing it. And I'm going to continue to do it in the future. And I believe just my ability of just connecting with everybody, like is giving me a chance to connect more with my aunt, more family members. I've been able to reach out. And just seeing the good that has come of it, it's like, it's amazing. I definitely want to continue to do it. Gotcha. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Yeah. One thing I wanted to add is uh, we've had this GoFundMe open for, I want to say a month now. I honestly didn't expect much of it. This is my first time ever doing a really big yeah, charity. And I think we're close to $300. And, you know, to me, that, that's amazing when you walk into something with little to no expectation. Exactly. And, you know, I'm just happy for all the support that has come in. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make a note that uh, please keep what you, uh, any donation you can coming in. As we're getting more soccer balls, shirts, and, and clothes, the biggest issue we're going to have now is actually shipping the shipping. The, the materials to come around. So a lot of the donations are going to go directly to just help shipping. And then in turn, we also want to have something left to, you know, give as food, money for food to the kids. So, and medical. Yeah, and medical. So please keep that in mind when you are uh, donating. So have you guys done, have you guys shipped anything before to them? Or is this, this a whole new thing for everyone? Well, for me, this is my we have. Yeah, we have. We, have. we, we regularly so, send. So, what was that? Ex- so, what was that experience like when you go? Because you you both have been there. Have you been there with like after the after the shipping has has gone? Like, what are the kind of what do you see when you go back and you visit the kids and they've got like you remember that pair of cleats that your friend donated and you see it like some kid wearing them or like what's like when you go back? How does how do you see it impact people? Because a lot of times when people donate to like a big charity, they never actually see the end. They just feel, oh, I donated $5. I did my job for the day to be a good person. But you guys, it's a, it's a little bit more uh, grassroots. And so you're able to see the results. What is that like for you guys? Pictures are sent um, with the kids receiving their gifts and 
um, with the smiles on their faces, the things that we shift, uh, I think it was in 2010, I think, um, they sent us pictures. Yeah, and then when I was younger, uh, I remember going back and meeting them for the first time and bringing a soccer ball. Uh, soccer ball here in America is like, okay, yeah, this is soccer ball, we're playing with it. But in, like, Cameroon, having a soccer ball is like, I don't know, it's having, like, ear pods. Like, no one has a soccer ball. It, your version of a soccer ball may be, like, a bunch of socks uh, wound together, yeah. and then you're playing that. Or a busted-up soccer ball that uh, someone, maybe a richer, threw away, and then all the kids in the community are playing with it. Or stones. Stones. Uh, stones, believe it or not, stones. So, like... When I was younger, you know, just bringing a soccer ball to these kids, this was like everyone stayed outside all day, nonstop, you know, until that ball eventually busted. <laughs> so, like, imagine the difference with my one soccer ball I brought with, like, the 20 or 30 that are being donated. Now the kids will have a feeling like they're normal, which is what I really want to give to the kids is that, They, you know, they're normal. They have what the rest of the world has. And I really appreciate what has been given so far because that's what you're giving to a lot of kids who are living in situations that are unfair uh, compared to what we have is that they, they'll be normal. And to add to that, you know, to help them, like, get their minds off the everything that's going on around them. Do you know what I mean? So, for sure. So are they – so – The conditions they're in, I'm trying to formulate this this question, but I guess so, like, we, I've seen the pictures on, on the Instagram, Rodney, and, and some of the other things, but pictures don't really do it justice, I would say. Um, I was in South Africa a couple of years ago. We went through some really, like, poor villages. So I saw some of the stuff. There were, uh, some, some, one of the soccer balls was a bunch of, like, grocery bags that they had, like, put together. Um, but what is it like for for you? Like, what it, can you describe some of the conditions? Obviously, you don't need to go into too much detail if it if it gets graphic or anything. But what are the conditions like there for them? So, because uh, people here just like they'll see a picture and they don't actually understand like on the ground what it's really like to not have running water, to not have any of these things that we take for granted on a daily basis. On a health perspective, I've had pictures, actually, I um, adopted three kids there um, that I'm supporting. When I saw one of the pictures, they're prone to skin diseases. Mm. And the hair was just chopped up with skin problems. And their treatment, they have a garden where they plant um, leaves some brass, that's how they treat the skin disease. Um, if they can't have any medical attention, they, they do their own traditional herbs, herbs yeah. um, to, treat, to treat this uh, skin condition. They're very, very prone to skin conditions. And we do have those pictures coming in. Yeah, when I was younger, they had told me when I had gone and seen the garden, it's a, it's a real garden with herbs, Someone, one of the people there had told me the cure for malaria is in the garden. I don't know how true that is to this day, but that, that's their uh, version of treatment right now. So 
we appreciate a lot of the help. As for conditions, I'll add my own perspective. I'll add in the soccer perspective. So what we take for granted here in the United States is like turf fields. There's barely grass fields in Cameroon. I mean, gravels. Yeah, it's it's more yeah. just dirt, and everyone's playing with like well. I say most people are playing with just barefoot. Yeah. You don't want to dis- because mo- mostly you're walking around with uh, slippers for most people, and if you have shoes, you don't want to destroy them playing soccer. So for the most part, it's barefoot. So imagine the look on these kids' faces when they're not being given just shoes; they're being given cleats, or they're being given indoors. For them, this is like unreal. This is the equivalent to getting a PS5. You know, yeah, I forget what you're saying. Yeah, even, even um, I was able, I believe, to post a the video on the Instagram, and it's a, a video that Auntie Mary sent me of them playing soccer in the backyard, and you can say it was like patchy grass, but through all of that, they're still smiling through having a, a blast. You know what I mean? It's like they're almost not cognizant of what's going on, but that's just how we would relate to soccer over here as well. Just that bringing them together, making them smile. I've noticed that often, like, like I said, when I was in South Africa, people seemed happy there, even though they didn't have yeah. all the, the nutty things that we have here. Why do you guys, why do you guys think that is? It's a simple life, I guess. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think you need material things. I don't think you need a lot of things to be happy. You know what I mean? I think you just need people that care about you and love you around you and, and then their kids as well. So as long as you have all the kids around you, you can make work of anything. You know what I mean? What do you guys think? For, from my own experience, I'll mm-hmm. say I think a lot of it comes from the difference in our culture where in America, because of the things that keep us busy to make money to have material things, we don't spend as much time with each other. Exactly. Their, their jobs may be like selling biscuits with each other or doing market. So like there's a lot of like, togetherness so that might in my opinion to me my own experience was because I was working with my family I was happier versus like you you're in America and you you work with completely new strangers and maybe somewhere 30 minutes away from your house another thing is um these kids know they don't have it they don't have any source of having it so they have to be content with what they have, and yet they want to work hard. I'm talking from that background, how I grew up. I grew up with cousins whose fathers have, but my father didn't. But I knew that I, I need to work hard to get there, sitting back to be a crying, looking at what they had made no sense. I can't have what they have. So I have to be content with what I have. To add to that, I was able to read something that I believe Sister Anne, the as at the orphanage, she said what they like to teach there, the educational part of the, the garden is just optim- optimistic thinking with the kids. They don't want them to mm-hmm. be thinking negative just because they're in a bad situation. They should just give up. Now they want them to think positive that they can become doctors, become yes. like, teachers, also help other kids in that situation as well. So mm-hmm. I like that as well. That's how they help the kids. 
like stay afloat in that situation. Yeah, for sure. So uh, using speaking of doctors specifically, we touched on the medical <clears throat> stuff that they have or don't have already. Since they don't have the infrastructure that we have in terms of uh, donations specifically, like what sort of things would they be looking for? Because there's some stuff that like electricity, like if it requires electricity, might it might not work there. So what sorts of things would would be would you guys recommend if people had extras lying around of whatever whatever the whatever it would be? Clothes. Shoes, toys that may need batteries. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Yes. Battery powered toys. Battery powered, yeah. <clears throat> also probably laptops. medical equipment. Yeah. So like what Old kind? Laptops. Old laptops. Old laptops, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Gotcha. The electricity is not there, but it comes on and off. After three days, they may have electricity for two day, one day. Um, one hour, two hours, in two weeks, but they still use it. Good. Well, that's positive. We, we take a positive yes. note from that. I don't know. So, um, they're also uh, they're also have like a school at the orphanage. Yes. So how does they that do work? Have- because here, obviously, we're used to a class of one. Everyone's one age, and then you go up to the next grade. So how does that work there? I've seen their classes. Sean Patricia, where he was younger, but I've seen their classes. They send recent pictures where they put them in age groups, mm. and most of it is volunteers come and teach them. Yeah, you're saying because like they may not have enough for each age group. Well, just how yeah. how it might work. I I don't know the the makeup of the ages that who are there, who's not there. Right, it's it's very easy. There's enough people here to split up amongst. Okay, maybe this is an advanced math class or not advanced math class, but they don't have probably the luxury to have. Whether it's the teachers who, right? You said they're volunteers, so maybe they don't have the like. There will be gaps. Whereas, yeah, here, it's not as structured. Yeah, yeah. no, it's not structured. They just know if you're this age to this age, you're supposed to be in kindergarten, whether you're comprehending it or not. Uh, kindergarten volunteer teacher comes in and from this age to this age they just put them in age groups mm-hmm. yeah. and they try yeah. to give them the and best they try, they right so do, then in terms of educational books then as well there is that something that you guys would be looking for as well yes yeah right. for sure gotcha i think that was but something. for now we really need health and fitting so what would you need for clothes? Health? For clothes. health is money. Is yes. Money. Yeah. Money. Feeding is mm-hmm. money. Clothes. Yeah. Clothes. Yes. All right. Toys. Educational toys. Battery powered, of course. Yeah. Yes. Educational battery. All right. So I want to move on a little bit to Rodney and your kind of well, I guess all three of you, but what's the goal for this long term? Because you must have thought in your head after the after the class was over and you were going to keep doing this, like, okay, mm-hmm. is there going to be a stopping point? If so, what's the stopping point? What 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 are my goals? That sort of thing. Do you want to turn this into something bigger and like continue it, do it as an annual thing, or kind of what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, first, I mean, obviously, the most important is helping the children that are there. But just from the turnout, the events that I've had recently, 
it's getting us together. I mean, come on, after going through COVID and we were all separated, something like just getting us together to play soccer together. A lot of people after the events have come up to me and was like, wow, this is really fun. I enjoyed coming out here and playing, especially at a high level with the guys that I haven't seen in a while. And so something like this, especially like when we have breaks and stuff on the soccer part. But as far as the the foundation, I, I definitely want to continue it for as, as long as I could with Sean's help. We've talked for a while, even before I, I've done a project like this, like you brought up the, the turf part of how they don't have turf in Cameroon. We wanted to be able to raise enough capital to maybe one day go back and build a soccer field there and even start an academy or something like that, that sorts when things are cooled down. And so this is just a start of that dream we've had when we were younger. You know what I mean? So we want to continue doing this. It's, it's just a start for sure. And we have, from what I've seen, we have the support in the short amount of time we'll be able to do to like continue, continue this going. Yeah. And the funny thing is like, even before Rodney had brought this up, We've been, me and my mom, been yes. debating when to go forward with our own charity. charity yeah. So it just became like a final piece when Rodney said, oh, I already did it. <laughs> so we, we've been wanting to start one, mm-hmm. like, legally and have all of that paperwork done. And then um, having him already do a majority of the work uh, makes that easier in the transition for next year. Mm-hmm. And I've been supporting these kids since 2008, so. Yeah, so they've already laid the groundwork, like you said. So mm-hmm. I was just able to, like I said, with the action campaign, push it to social media and try to yeah. garner as much support as we can, and then we'll move forward from there. Yeah, definitely bigger stuff down the line, but it's just a start. And yeah, definitely sure. <laughs> appreciate it for, like, you know, giving us this platform to speak about it. Of course, that's why that's why I'm here, you know. That's why I'm here, Mary. You must be very proud of Rodney when you found out that he was going to oh, try I and am. do this. I am very what would, proud of. What were your feelings when you? What were you? What were your feelings when you found out that Rodney was going to go ahead and start this and all Sean's work that he's done? I can tell him like nephew, like auntie. <laughs> I, I mean, I it, it just. I can't even express it uh, because I, I think I raised them. His mom raised them. We all raised them together. So it's it really uh, confirmed the fact that we raised them with love for one another to work like a family. So it was just an approval for me. It's awesome. Ah. Oh. It's really cool what you guys are doing, to be honest. There's, like we touched on earlier, like with with COVID and and all sorts, there's a lot of reasons to be upset at our own lives. But for you guys to kind of look outside yourselves and know there's other people that are less fortunate than us is is really amazing. And a lot of people might might think that, but to go ahead and actually undertake the task um, is a little bit of a, it's a little bit different. Have you guys had any roadblocks in in doing this, whether it's um, like legal stuff or uh, people around saying like, oh, that'll never work. Like, why would you bother and anything really? Or or has it been just a lot of support the whole way or both? Um, Personally, yes, I have encountered a lot of roadblocks. Um, and, and these are the roadblocks since the war broke out 
um, most adults have spent so much supporting those that are in prison, political prisoners. So when I send out this um, site, it's ignored. Not because the people don't want to contribute, but they're overloaded. We are overloaded with people who have been killed uh, uh, because of the civil war. We are supporting them, those in prison, those in the hospital. So people from my area, they're already overloaded and they cannot contribute for this project. As far as for me, Roblox is, I mean, it's pretty simple, but it's just the reaching out to everyone. Like not every text that I sent was like, they, they responded to it or I mean, um, organization that I wanted help from, they didn't always respond back, but I reached out to enough people where I was able to, like I said, set up the events with like Alexandria soccer and all these other soccer teams that I was able to, to partner with. So just the reaching out part, getting used to that, maybe they wouldn't respond to you or something like that. But other than that, it has been, once we did get people together, the support has been tremendous. So, yeah. Sean, how about you? Uh, I guess the only roadblock would be more of myself actually asking people to join a project on with me. I'm used to just doing it. Like, I just donate. I'm not used to inviting a whole community. So, like, when I had asked my uh, – I'm an academy coach, so when I had asked my parents to join in, I, I was surprised to see that they all immediately – joined in and a lot of them did donate uh almost instantly so not a huge roadblock but yeah. i guess it's the first stepping stone in the charity journey exactly it's like putting yourself out there and then just hoping yeah. they'll they'll you know what i mean they'll reciprocate and we were lucky we we're fortunate enough that a lot of people did so we're happy yeah, because the reality of it is in my head I'm, i look at it as my family in Cameroon that needs help and you know everyone may not care because you could say easily there's problems here in America so I'm going to focus on that and I wouldn't be mad at you this is more of a personal thing uh to me so I I just I guess I appreciate everyone who's supported so far for sure and like I wanted to add on to that it's a lot of my audience too or the people that I know we're like we're in college or so they might not have a lot to give, you know what I mean? So that's why I understand that part. And so the biggest thing for me with, with those people is just maybe show up to the event, just having numbers there, bring, even if it's one one pair of clothes or shoes, even if it's five a $5 donation, just that little something, multiple people doing it, it'll make a difference for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, a couple more questions and then it's getting a little bit late and we can wrap this up, but is it difficult to keep everything organized? Like when you guys get the donations, cause you, I'm sure you get them in all manners of formats and boxes and bags and cash, a little bit of cash <laughs> here, a Venmo here, a GoFundMe here. Has it been difficult to kind of keep everything organized? Has it been not, um, I guess, has it been as you'd expect when you put yourself, when you got yourselves into this in a good way, obviously, but How's that been, like, on the organizational front, organizing events with Alexandria Soccer, organizing different things? How's that been for you guys? Um, for me, I, I'll go for it. But for me, it wasn't – I'm not going to say it's 
too hard, but it's because I've had good friends that are in good positions, like my friend CJ at Alexandria. He's a coach there. Same with, with Sean here. Because they are already in position at the organization, it made it a lot easier. They were able to get the field where we had hosted the events. And just having good connections in that, that aspect helped make it a lot easier. As far as storing the, the, the donations, yeah, my car is full of donations. So I have no space for anyone except for me driving. Other than that, no, it's, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun doing it as well. So not having a problem with it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Rodney's been the one who's been more in charge of collecting. So he would have the most experience on that. Yeah, so no, it's, yeah, like I said, just the car is full of donations, so, I mean, I, it's like a badge of honor, though, I, I ride around and <laughs> all the soccer balls are in the back and cones and pennies and stuff, but yeah, it's, it hasn't been hard at all. That's awesome. For my part, I was just the information provider, and there's been a free flow of information Whatever is needed, I send it to the administration to the home at the home, and uh, the administration will send me the information, sending me pictures, and I send them straight to Rodney. Yeah. And so my part um, wasn't that difficult. Uh, but it was a huge part. I was because, like I said, for the action campaign, it's so important to get those images out to people on social media. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. That's why I wanted to make sure she she got a chance to speak and on this this episode in the podcast. So yeah, all the pictures you see on social media, it was through her. I was able to get it from her. So yeah, definitely big thanks to that. That's awesome. I know when do you so for this year, when do you guys ship the stuff out? Or when do you guys travel out there? Are you guys traveling, Sean? No. 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 It's very unsafe. It's very unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, America has issued um, an advice for it's a no-go zone. Mm. So we can't go out there. They gotcha. won't be able to protect us. Gotcha. So you'd have the best timeline for... Well, um, if the money comes in to ship the things, it, it can go at any time. There are people still shipping things there. Yeah, so we were going to wait for all of everything to be collected and then calculate what we need to send the stuff. All right. So for those listening, when's the sort of, no, I don't want to call it a deadline, but when is, because obviously you guys will accept rolling donations, but this, this shipment that's going to go out soon, do you guys have sort of a, we'd like it by blank date? Would you? I would. I was thinking like December, some like maybe middle to end December. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would end think of the January. Year. Yeah, end of the year. Let's let the, the last day be this December for any any first shipment, yeah. and then again rolling donations from there. All right, sounds good, guys. Any last last bits and bobs for anyone? Uh, just. Thank you again to everyone who donated and um, any anything is appreciated really. Like a dollar is 500 francs. That's close to a meal. So mm-hmm. just give what you can and know that you changed someone's life. Awesome. You can find mm-hmm. them on Instagram. Rodney, what's the Instagram? Uh, Indomitable Hope. It's Sounds good. Instagram. Yes. And then we have a Twitter as well and Facebook on the same name. But for my part, yeah, I just, again, want to thank you 
for bringing us on this platform to share it. I wish it wasn't so like deep and heavy. I wanted to talk a little bit about soccer as well, but other than that, nah, it's, it's a, we're a good cause and your donations will, will mean a lot to the kids, especially during the holiday times as well too. So if we can get, get it out there as soon as possible, that'd be good. 100%. You see Rodney's got the shirt on there. That's the logo. Check it out, Instagram. Yeah. All those links will be in the description. Um, guys, I really appreciate your time. This is what you what you guys are doing is is amazing. Rodney, we'll get you back on to talk about soccer. Don't worry. We'll, oh, yeah. At yes, some sir. point, we'll yes, get sir. you back. Gotcha, With that, gotcha. guys, we'll wrap this up. And for those listening, we'll see you guys later. Peace. Thank you. Pronouncing ah as oh or pronouncing oh as ah. Okay, so the right pronunciation will enable you to definitely stand properly. Okay, so we must take